Hello, uh, this is Pamela Lau. Welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. And you'll be joining me with my co-host Rob Westervelt in just a few moments. I am so looking forward to hearing your responses to this next episode. But before we jump in, I wanted to share with you how a few weeks ago, one of my listeners uh, contacted me and they, she said, Pam, I was listening to your interview with Heather Rockwell. And you asked her, so Heather, how can the church move forward on the issue of sexuality? And she, my listener said to me, the question I would ask in, in replacement of that is, how can the church go deeper? And I, I have to tell you guys, it just, it really grabbed me because I thought, yes, that is the right question. You know, it's not how do we move forward while we're all in disagreement and in confusion, but how do we go deeper and look for understanding while we're still holding to God's truth? Well, I think you're going to really appreciate uh, our guest today, Morgan Burrow. She is as well a millennial, and she is going to talk openly about her perspective of what the Bible teaches on sexuality and why she believes in this. And I want to invite you to listen to not only Morgan's podcast, but also to Heather's from before. And jump onto my website, PamelaLau.com, add some comments, or uh, go to Facebook, PamelaHaveyLau.com, or to my Instagram, and give us your feedback. We want to know, particularly um, if you are a millennial, we want to know how do you fuse these, these two different perspectives, and how do you see us not just moving forward as a church, but how do you see us going deeper? Thank you so much for listening today. Morgan, where are you living at the moment? Um, I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina. In Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. So you are <laughs> you are three hours ahead of us. Right I am. Now. It's dark and snowy here. It's dark and snowy. Well, it's about 58, 60 degrees here and sunny. Wow. Who would have thought? I know. I know. Well, thank you for agreeing to be part of our podcast today. Um, Morgan, I thought if we, if you wouldn't mind, just let's take a few minutes. I always ask my guests if you would be willing to talk a little bit first about your background, where you grew up and where you went to school and college. And if we could just start with the basics of that, that would be terrific. Yeah. Um, well, I have known you my entire life, I think. Um, but I grew up in Newburgh, Oregon, and that is where George Fox University is and grew up with two amazing parents who love the Lord and taught me lots of stuff about him, which is fantastic. Um, went to Liberty University, go Flames. So went there for school and, you know, props to you and your husband, Pam, for telling us about that. So I, I have a lot to accredit you actually for. So here we are. Oh, dear. I had no idea, Morgan. <laughs> now, wait, go back just a little bit here. Um, you were right. You, you did grow up in Newburgh, but then throughout your childhood, you moved to another city. Yeah, and we moved to um, Wilsonville, Oregon. So it's a little bit closer into the city, into Portland. So grew up there um, from high school on. And did you, were you raised in the church? 
I was. Um, we grew up going to non-denominational churches. My mother, I know, became a Christian right around college age. Um, but she and my dad met in seminary and my dad grew up Baptist. So they had a very kind of conservative viewpoint on faith. Um, but we definitely grew up at non-denominational churches. I know they still go to one um, where I still love to listen to our lead pastor there um, on occasion. So just kind of grew up with a really good, I believe, well-rounded view. I went to public school. So I think that helped with just learning about the real world versus just a um, siloed viewpoint. And most of my friends weren't faith-based growing up. So a lot of them actually didn't have a faith or completely rejected the faith. And so it's very interesting growing up with friends like that. But I thought it was honestly what helped well round me out as an adult. So I was very thankful for that opportunity. Let's just unpack that for just a minute there. So would you say that what formed your faith in going to church? I, I think it definitely was. I mean, my parents had had a faith and they lived it out, I think, every day and they still do, which is fantastic. And, you know, they just encouraged me to really dive deep and create a faith of my own so that it wasn't their faith, but my my personal relationship with God, which I love. And, you know, I was able to ask them hard questions and they're both super academic. So that in and of itself made it really kind of cool to grow up with parents that understand understood why you'd ask questions, which was really neat. And it wasn't just something that they assumed or just went to church and learned. They they had divin, you know, dove deep as adults and really deepened their faith. And so I think that in and of itself helped me learn how to cultivate my own relationship with God. Okay. Well, you know, Morgan, that I asked if you wouldn't mind coming on to talk about uh, an issue or a subject that has gained quite a lot of attention lately. Yeah. So I thought we would just dive in. And I do want you to also, because uh, I didn't get to ask you yet, actually, let me just go back. Do you attend a church now? I do attend church now, very religiously. And I volunteer and I lead a small group. So I am very involved in my church currently. Okay. Okay. And how would you define yourself on the spectrum of Christianity? Where do you put yourself? I mean, I like to think that I'm a very strong Christian and I fully try to live out my faith on a daily basis and I'm really not ashamed of it. So that's kind of how I see myself. All right. So you know that sexuality has become a very divisive issue, even yeah. among conservative Christians. And I, I, you didn't really call yourself that. No, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I think I've follow along and believe the Bible and I believe what is right and wrong. But um, I think when it comes to my um, ability to accept others for their debt, like their, their choices, I think I'm a little bit more lenient on that. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think that just growing up with friends that didn't do anything that I agreed with, I just kind of lived with that and was like, okay, like this is your choice, not mine. But that doesn't believe I thought it was right. So I, I think I'm probably very, conservative when it comes to my religious beliefs, I would say. Okay, so let's be more specific about that. So <clears throat> when it comes to so I'm I'm using the umbrella of today looking at cohabitation, when people are living together, same sex behavior. Um, those are a lot of views that that we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, Morgan, how did you let's just talk about you here? How did you come to the conclusion you've you've come to, and actually, we don't really know the conclusions you've come to yet. 
So if you'd be willing to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I believe that the people that are part of the LGBTQ community are people. And I believe that they have a right to choose what their heart desires. Um, I don't agree with their lifestyle choices at all. I think it's sinful and I don't believe that it's biblical. Um, I believe that they should still be part of the church. And I believe that, um, you know, the church should accept them because we, we don't have the, the right to judge. God is the ultimate judge, but I believe it's also our job as disciples of God and as Christians and as people of faith to hold people to a standard if they're calling themselves something. Um, and so in my opinion, if you call yourself a Christian, you should be doing everything in your power to live out those beliefs that you have claimed. And so if somebody's not living that out, I believe it's your responsibility to maybe voice that opinion respectfully and let them know that it's not necessarily what the Bible says and what God believes and what God would want for them, but it's still their choice. But Morgan, I want to go back to something you you said at the very beginning of this of this particular um, conversa- part of the conversation. You said, "I believe that the Bible teaches." How did you? I mean, I know you were raised with this. I understand that. Did you ever kind of go back and say, "Maybe I don't agree with this," or how did you come to that conclusion? And what do you base it on? I think that I've really just more recently in my adult life, post college, probably dove into the word and really studied it. And I don't think I ever really did that as a kid. I just kind of accepted what I believed the church was saying. Um, And I think as an adult, I've dove in and I've seen that the reason why God put these words on paper was to give us guidelines and to give us a lifestyle to live because he loves us and because he knows that if we choose things outside of that, that it will cause us more heartbreak than less. And I think that in and of itself, I've seen God's love and I've seen the mistakes I've made and how that's affected, affected me as an adult. And I know that, you know, certain choices I've made weren't necessarily biblical, but if I had followed the Bible that my heart maybe wouldn't have been broken as much. So I think with personal experience and just studying the word of God, like if I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, why would I not want to listen to his guidance? And so I think that in and of itself has kind of allowed me to cultivate my opinion on the Bible being true and me believing that certain things are right and wrong. Okay, so I got a question for you for that. So in what way do you differ from what would be considered an evangelical Christian? Um, I mean, I don't necessarily think I would fully differ from an evangelical Christian. Um, I think that I am very by the book when it comes to it. I don't believe you should have sex before marriage. I don't think that you should live with somebody before you're married. Um, I, I believe you should be preaching the word of God and loving one another. So I think when it comes to a lot of things, I'm very socially, politically a little bit more lenient when it comes to how I allow others to express their opinions. But that doesn't mean that I'm not conservative and I'm not evangelical when it comes to my beliefs and my viewpoints. I'm, I'm sure when your parents listen to this episode, they will be beaming. <laughs> um, but I do want to. I want to ask them a, to listen to this honestly. What's that? <laughs> I said I'm always a little scared for them to listen to me talking about. This. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as a parent, I'm sure they're going to be very, uh, very proud. But I do have some questions for you yeah. because what what we're trying to dig into here is the as you know the there's a new generation of uh 
Christian uh, young people who have differing views on historical issues, ways of approaching their faith and things. Um, kind of what what I'm trying to help with uh, my, both myself and for the listeners to understand is kind of where are you seeing yourself kind of diverge from sort of the traditional, maybe the faith of your of your family or maybe how that's carried out. And you've kind of alluded to this idea of people's right to choose. So maybe you can uh, dive into that because on the one hand, you're saying, hey, there's clearly these things are right and wrong is pretty clear. I, I use the Bible. But then you allude to this idea that they kind of have a choice and we're welcoming them in and making them feel welcome. So could you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I've, I've, I've had a lot of experiences with um, the LGBT community, one of my best friends back home is um, she considers herself a lesbian. Um, and but she also considers herself an atheist. And I, I don't feel like I can push those um, beliefs that I have upon her when it comes to somebody being allowed in a church or being welcomed in a church. I want everybody to be welcome in church because I believe my goal is to ultimately bring people to Christ. And so okay. in that sense, my job is to be loving and accepting. Um, but the so, minute, yeah. So can I ask you real quick, because yeah. this is the really interesting part, right? Um, for us, especially is what does that look like to be welcoming in the church when you hold pretty concrete views on this? What And how does it differ from what you've seen in the past? Um, well, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it when it comes to, I'm a very opinionated person. So when I see something that I don't agree with, it's hard for me to hold my tongue sometimes. So I'm, as an adult, I'm growing into that and hopefully getting better as I get older. But um, I think that it, it's just being kind and being willing to listen and not always shoving your opinion down other people's throats. But I believe that the moment that they allow that conversation to take place is the minute that you can respectfully voice what you believe to be true. Um, and I think that's honestly allowed me to have many amazing conversations with people that are both attending the church I go to, but also in my life that don't necessarily consider themselves to be religious at all. And I think it allows you to have a conversation that's educated and kind and respectful. And even at the end of it, if you agree to disagree, that's fine. Um, but at least I got to share the love of God with them and share how I believe Jesus. I mean, Jesus sat with the prostitutes and he sat with the people that were adulterers. So um, my goal is to live out my life as best as I can and reflection of that, but it's not always easy. Um, I think sometimes people in the church have just kind of created this closed group of people saying, if you, if you do this, you are bad and you're, you know, this dreadful person that, you know, doesn't actually love God. And I don't believe that's true. I think people falter and people fail and that's what God's grace is for. And I think that as the, you know, body of Christ, our job is to bring people up and surround people as they go through these struggles. And hopefully, you know, then they're able to make that choice and that conscious decision to start following Christ again. And so I think that's kind of what I try to live out. I see a lot of that in my church, which I absolutely love. It's an extremely accepting church. So in that sense, I, I truly love that aspect of it. And I think it's lived out on a daily basis where we go. But um, I think sometimes when you go into like, even at Liberty, when I was there, um, some of my friends were very, very small Baptist, you know, grown up in that, that aspect and had definitely um, had a more of a closed mind to people and weren't necessarily as gracious to mistakes. But in my head, I make mistakes. So I hope somebody's going to be gracious towards me. So how did you describe those people? Because we missed that 
word? Um, you know, they were they were just very conservative Southern Baptists um, is what I experienced a lot of when I went to Liberty, which was very different than what I had experienced growing up in terms of the church. Um, so, so can I ask you a real quick question about this distinction between welcoming and accepting? Yeah. And I'm really curious because you, you've used the word accepting. And in our culture, as, as you probably experienced, to accept somebody means that you accept who they are and what what they would define themselves as. So let's yeah. say you use the example of you had a friend who's a lesbian and she would say maybe, or I, I don't want to say her, but some people would say, you can't be welcoming to me if you don't accept me. And me, how I identify is I'm a lesbian and that's okay because that's how God made me. Yeah, How do you yeah. deal with that? Um, I mean, I believe that I can accept her for who she believes she is. That doesn't mean I agree with her. And that doesn't mean I agree that her choices are right. Um, so so in what way are you accepting her, though, I guess is kind of the I question I imagine. I think it's I just imagine. allowing her to be and express who she wants and still loving her through that. But that there's that viewpoint of her sexuality and her choices that she's made in that where I don't agree with that. So I don't accept her choice. I accept her as a person. Does that affect your relationship with her at all? And the reason I ask that is because, like even with our last guest on here, she made it really clear that it it wasn't enough just to say, oh, you can, we welcome you and we accept you, but until you say that what I'm doing is not a sin, I can't be with you. So I'm just curious how your relationship with this young woman, does she feel that way? From what, I, I mean, when she came out to me, it was actually something that was really, it was interesting to me. I was one of the last ones in our friend group that she came out to. And one of the most amazing things that she told me was honestly that she's like, you have just shown me love through it, even though you don't agree with it. And I think that's been my biggest goal is that I just want to show love, even if I don't agree with it. And she knows my viewpoint. She knows I'm a Christian. She knows I doesn't, I don't believe that what she's doing is right. But we still have a beautiful relationship. She's actually coming out to visit in a couple weeks and hang out. And that's going to be amazing. But we can still have those religious conversations. Are we ever going to be able to have an overwhelmingly super incredible spiritual talk? Probably not. But um, I think the ability that we're both able to sit in a room and love each other and have discussions that are hard and still care about one another, I think that in and of itself shows God's love and is what God would want. So. so so, Morgan, this is really interesting. So can what advice would you give to the church, people who are leaders in the church, maybe they're older leaders in the church, mm -hmm. to be able to form these kinds of relationships where people feel free to be honest with the understanding that you hold a very specific position? What would you say to them? I, I think that the biggest thing is to listen, and I'm not always great at that. I think sometimes it's coming into a situation and just understanding that there's going to be a difference and there's going to be different viewpoints, and that's okay. But if you both have a mutual respect for one another and the end goal is to understand the other person better, I think you become a little less defensive. And if you believe wholeheartedly in your faith, I don't believe you should have to be unkind to others to defend it. I think that God was, or Jesus was a perfect example of somebody who was graciously, unabidingly, un, overwhelmingly, like just gracious with his 
you know, beliefs and his actions. And the disciples, obviously, you see their struggles along that sometimes where people didn't agree with them and they were like, well, what do we do? And I think a lot of the times is, you know, Jesus just listened to people. He accepted them. He allowed them to explain themselves and he then expressed the truth. And I believe that that's what we need to do as a church body. Um, we are literally the disciples of Christ right now. We are the people on this planet that are able to spread the word of God. And if we're doing that in a condescending, harsh um, way, we become very Old Testament God. And I believe that the re- way we should look at the Bible is through New Testament Jesus, full of grace and love and sacrifice. And I believe that that's how you should approach those relationships. You should be willing to sacrifice yourself for somebody, even if they don't have similar beliefs to you. So, so, so I'm curious, um, like in sharing the gospel, I, I'd be curious to know what, how you share the gospel, like what is that message? But the other one is, what about the Christians who might say, well, Jesus did say I came uh, not to bring peace, but a sword, dividing yeah. the families up. And he also, after he has these conversations, says, go and sin no more. How does how do you deal with that? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I sin every day. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we we are human. And, you know, Jesus had this incredible ability to come down to earth and become human, but also still maintain his godly, you know, manner in the sense that he does not sin. And I... I believe that he understands that we are going to sin, but our goal is to not. And so for me, when it becomes, when one of my friends comes to me and says, I would like you to hold me accountable, that's when I can become more, not harsh is the wrong word, but just more stern with the way that I believe that the Bible says things. And, you know, if somebody's asking me my opinion on, can I move in with my boyfriend? I'm going to say no. Well, that's what I want to ask you about, Morgan. Have you had any situations where your peers, your friends um, are are sleeping with their significant others before marriage, are cohabitating, and where you've said something? And can you give us an example of how you have spoken into that situation? Yeah, I, I, there's been plenty of situations where, I mean, I've got a friend right now, and she's sleeping with her boyfriend, and she initially kind of asked my opinion about it. And I voiced that I disagreed with it. And it just became such an issue where she was like, I'm just kind of making this choice for me right now. And it, it was hard for me to wrap my head around to the point where I'm like, you've grown up in the faith and you understand what you're, what you're doing is not biblically where you've read in the Bible and you understand what you're doing is wrong, but your choice right now is to continue to do it. And so I can either just break my own heart and continue to fight this situation and possibly even push you away and lose a friend over it. Or hopefully I can just be gracious and kind and still not agree with it, but loving. And hopefully then if it all falls apart, then I'm the one there to help pick up the pieces and love and show God's grace. So I think sometimes for me, it's been more, I have to not allow what I believe to be true to be the only thing I vocalize to those people in my life because sometimes they are just not in a place where they want to hear it. And the more you kind of put pressure on those kinds of people, the more they pull away and pull more towards the people that are causing them to make those choices. And I would rather be a person that's a constant, overwhelmingly godly presence in their life where they just can't make that choice anymore because they're so infatuated with the word of God. So Morgan, talk to the listeners for a moment about 
the fallout you see in your uh, generation of young people who make choices that you think uh, would not fall under a biblical way of life. Does it matter? Does it make a difference? Is it all the same? What do you see? I, I think it makes a huge difference. I think the um, nice thing about y'all's generation is that you didn't necessarily have to you, you had a little bit more conservative views just in general, not even necessarily in the church. Um, and so when it even comes to the church, I have a lot of friends that, you know, sleep with the guys that they're dating and, you know, might move in before they're married. And so I see that in the church and it kind of breaks my heart. I mean, I've done stuff um, in my life where I've even seen just like an emotional tie that gets drawn because I've made choices. And I see the reasons behind why God puts those rules in the Bible and not rules, but, you know, suggestions and guidelines. And I guess in his opinion for the best way to live out a godly, holy, fulfilled life. And I see so much fulfillment in my life as I have consciously made an effort to divulge into the word and just dissect it and surround myself with people that are infatuated with it as much as I am. And so I think with that, I I see a disconnect between me and a lot of my peers, and it probably makes me kind of the odd man out with a lot of people, but I'm not ashamed of that. And I see amazing potential to have a fulfilled life if I follow these, you know, guidelines and rules. And hopefully that life that I live out and that, you know, light that I am able to emit is going to be reflective upon other people and they're going to be able to see the difference in me that they don't necessarily see themselves. Quick question for you. If you could wave your magic wand over the church and make it the way you think it should be, what would it look like? What would it be? How would it be different? When it comes to the issues of sexuality or what do you like? Well, yes, along the lines of the topic we're discussing where it's more welcoming, as you said. I think a lot of the times what I've noticed, and maybe it's just the churches I've grown up going to and am part of now, but I think a lot of churches have even tried to steer away from sexuality. And, you know, maybe it gets brought up briefly in a sermon and it just gets pointed out, hey, like, don't do this. It's not right. Or it can go the other extreme. And it's just this sermon that is just overwhelmingly beating down on people. And so I think that there needs to be a middle ground. I think that the pastors and the leaders of our churches, I, I see a lot of this in our pastors that I've gotten. I love my campus pastor and our um, our main campus pastor. They're both both incredible men that I believe are overwhelmingly accepting of and loving towards everybody, but they still are able to preach the gospel in a way that isn't fire and brimstone. And I think that's a big thing for me sometimes is when I go to these churches and it's just a condescending message the entire time. Don't get me wrong. I think that certain parts of the Bible need to be preached and they kind of suck to be preached. I think that sometimes it can be preached in a more gracious tone. Um, and that doesn't mean that it has to lose its impact. So I think it's that and maybe sitting down with people more. Um, I don't think that that means that, you know, a person that is living out a lifestyle that is, you know, adultery, I don't believe that they should necessarily be a leader in the church. I think that they're not living out a lifestyle that is reflective of God. And, you know, if they're making those conscious choices, they should not be in leadership. But I believe that the leadership of the church needs to be understanding towards who they're up against, because the world is a dark place right now. And if our leadership is just with their heads in the clouds, thinking that everybody's going to follow the Bible strictly to a T because I do it, that's just not the case. We've got so many broken people in this world, and hopefully we can just try to mend them back together because we all need a little bit of mending and loving. So that's where I would probably wave my wand. Thank you. Yeah. I hear in your voice, Morgan, and of course it does my heart good, I hear you talking about scripture as an authority that speaks into your life and how you make decisions. 
Correct? Okay. But what about, do you have people in your life who are your peers, who are your, um, even people you work with who you would say, how do they see it? Um, I think a lot. I've, I've had some friends that are, you know, just like me and they believe full wholeheartedly that scripture is authoritative and this is what it says and this is what it means. But I have some friends that have told me that the Bible was written back in a day where arranged marriages happen. And so sex before marriage wasn't really an option because you didn't know the person. And I don't believe that's true. I, I believe some people have kind of taken it upon themselves because culture has shifted and that has allowed them to kind of justify in their own minds that, yes, it's OK for me to make these choices because it wasn't a problem back then. Well, it was a problem back then. People did have sex before marriage. People were prostitutes. People were living together without being married. It, it was a more conservative time back then. But that doesn't mean that God wrote it so that it wasn't applicable to us now. And, you know, I've been reading a lot about these parables more recently in the New Testament, and it's very interesting for me to read up and do some research with my mom on this. And, you know, we're kind of discovering that a lot of these parables are written the way they're written because the people back then wouldn't have understood if God had been so extreme to say, well, women and men need to submit to one another and go into that extreme. Like, yes, women need to submit to their husbands. And the reason that it was written that way was because women already did that. And if it was said any other way, then the entire culture in that time would have been freaking out because women didn't have a right to the, the household. They were just pieces of property for the men. And so I think a lot of the times God um, has written things for the people to understand, because if he spoke utter and complete truth to us, then we wouldn't understand how to how to interpret it, because we're so naive when it comes to understanding God. Um, and I think that's honestly something that shows God's love and grace. Um, I think he's really trying to dump it down for us almost. He's just like, hey, like, let me help you out here. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so I think a lot of people have taken it up for interpretation because they want to fit in with culture and they want to, you know, I mean, it's fun to have sex. I mean, who who doesn't want to have sex? But should you do it before marriage? No, because it's a beautiful thing. And it's a special bond that you have between you and your husband. And if you do it before marriage, you're going to have a soul tie to somebody that's not the person for you. And um, that impact that will then be on your marriage is extreme. And so stuff like that, I think people, you know, kind of justify in their heads because they want to have some fun, but they don't realize the long-term impacts because they're only thinking of the current, you know, desires that they've got. Okay. Well, th Morgan, one last question as we um, wrap up here. I asked my last guest about how the church could move forward with the divisiveness that has happened with the issue of sexuality. And that question, we kind of got stopped in the middle of the highway with that one. As I re-listened to that conversation and as I talked with some of my listeners, I think the question that emerged for me that is a little different is not how can the church move forward, but how can the church go deeper? And so maybe just give um, one or two thoughts of how we can go deeper so that we're, we're not always having these dividing lines, or maybe that's just how it's going to be. So why don't you answer, how do you think the church can go deeper on this divisive issue of sexuality? I think that the church can start engaging probably more so. And I believe some pastors are already doing this and are very forefront with this. But, you know, just just in educating themselves and, and bringing people in that have these viewpoints or maybe people in that have had, you know, have lived the LGBTQ lifestyle and then are out of it now um, and have kind of realized where they went wrong. Um, so I think a lot of that 
is a way to dive deeper. And it's not just for leadership in the church, but it's for the congregation because the congregation needs to hear it. And so I think a lot of the times we focus on our leadership in our churches and they need to be strong and they need to be diving into the word. But it's our congregation that also needs that. Our congregation is out in the real world. They're not in ministry necessarily. They're out in corporate America dealing with stuff. And if we don't preach it from the pulpit, if we don't teach it in our small groups, then we're not educating our people who might be new Christians and don't fully understand how to research the Bible and how to take it and how to read through it in this current day and time. And so I think a lot of it has to do with educating everybody and um, teaching them how to dive deeply into the word of God and understand it in the way that he intended it to be understood and not take it upon ourselves to interpret things based on current circumstances that will make our lives easier because God God did not call us to have easy lives. He called us to preach the word of God and be sacrificial, you know, overwhelmingly unabiding people that love him. And so I think that that has a lot to do with it. Okay, so just one follow-up question to that, because here's what I'm hearing the opposition say. And they're they're like, well, but here's the deal. We've gone back to the Bible, and the Bible actually doesn't say that LGBTQ is wrong. In fact, if Paul were alive today, he would be officiating gay marriages. What 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 is your response to that sort of general, maybe uh, more recent thought among young Christians who are turned off by the traditional church? I believe that you can't pull the Bible out of context, just like you can't pull a political debate out of context. I I believe wholeheartedly that God made man and wife. You know, he he did not, you know, want same sex relations. And I, you know, when people are like, well, the Bible doesn't really say this. It's like, well, you're not reading the Bible full wholeheartedly and diving into it. Then you're, you're skimming it and pulling the parts and pieces where it says love one another and be kind. And yes, that's important. But there are some hard issues in there and it sucks sometimes. But you have to you have to abide by them. And um, I think that sometimes as millennials, as a millennial myself, um, it's hard for people to want to change and you know they want to be overwhelmingly accepting of everybody and I believe that you can love everyone I don't believe that you have to agree with everybody I don't believe that you have to agree with their choices and I believe if somebody is mature enough to have a conversation about one's faith and about the actual scriptures then they're going to see this is what it says and if you want to believe it you don't have to but this is what it says and so you can't pull it out of context just for kicks and giggles to make your point politically or religiously. Well, I think you said that pretty well. And just so you know, Morgan, you are in a room full of eights. <laughs> and I hear that you are an eight. I, I am. Well, okay. Well, eights unite. <laughs> well, um, anyway, Rob, do you have any last comments or questions? Because our time has run up. Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Morgan. That was really uh, interesting. And I will be curious to know what other listeners think, especially millennials and younger listeners on both sides of this issue. Um, but you've definitely given a lot of us a lot to think about, especially as we think about the church and how to bring people back to church. So thank you. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. Morgan. We really appreciate it. And I hope to see you soon. Yes, thank you.